a revolutionary baby monitor is born. I want to introduce you to a brand new baby monitor, Massimo Stork. Massimo Stork Baby Monitor tracks health indicators so you can get to know your baby better. Track your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and skin temperature with the high-resolution video and clear two-way audio from the Stork app. While Massimo Stork Baby Monitor is new, Massimo Signal Extraction Technology, or SET to be exact, has been trusted in hospitals for over 25 years. In fact, 9 out of 10 top U.S. hospitals, as ranked in the 2022-2023 U.S. News & World Report, uses Massimo SET as their primary pulse oximetry technology. Now, this technology is available for families at home, empowering confident parenting. Go to Massimo Stork to learn more. Please remember, Mosmo Stork is not meant to be used as a medical device. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg, and I'm your host of Yoga Birth Babies, and today we have a community birth story. This one is riddled with amazing gems of takeaway, talking about big babies and confidence and epidurals and pushing and birth team. There's so much that our guest, Stephanie Gonzalez, shares. I had the pleasure of having Steph as part of our PYC community quite early in her pregnancy and well throughout the end of her pregnancy, and she shared her birth story with me over an email, and as soon as I read it, I reached out and said, when you are ready, I would absolutely love for you to share your story. I feel like there are so many times people hear negative birth stories, or maybe someone goes past their due date, or they're a smaller body that has a bigger belly, and everyone's like, oh, that's a big baby, or oh, you're past your due date, or giving their opinions. And it can absolutely influence how someone feels about themselves and their ability to give birth. And what I love is that Steph shares her confidence, and I'm hoping that that can lead to confidence. So if someone is hearing something that may make them not quite feel as grounded in their experience, that we can remember other times that people overcame obstacles and walked away having really powerful births. And I think you're going to get that from Stephanie's birth story. Let me tell you quickly a little bit about Steph before we jump into it. So she is an educator and admissions professional who spent her career working with students in their transition from high school to college. She lives on the Upper West Side with her spouse and her baby Oscar and their dog Wookie. And Steph is just an absolute delight. I think you're going to very much enjoy this conversation. Before we get to that, I just want to go down to what's happening at PYC. So we're heading into summer as we record this, and our classes maintain their schedule online and in person. I'm incredibly proud to say we still offer seven days a week online. We have people tune in from all around the world. Our community is expanding, and we have six days a week in studio classes. This summer, we hit our 21st birthday. I can't even begin to express how bonkers that is in my mind that we are over two decades old. I remember getting the keys to the first studio thinking, I'm not even going to be here at the end of my five-year lease. And here we are. So thanks for being part of our community and thanks for listening to the podcast. I think the one last thing I wanted to share um, before we listen to Steph is our teacher training, something else I'm incredibly proud of. So I'm taking a break for the summer of teacher training, but we're starting up again in September and we're actually almost full for that. So if you're interested, jump in. So we do September and October, that's going to be online. And then end of October, because I've got a big birthday I'm celebrating and I'm going to take a week off to travel to celebrate my big birthday. So I'm going to do end of October, then back 
back in December for another online, and then online again January and February, and then we're back in person in March and April for so we'll four teacher trainings and prenatal teacher trainings, and then we'll have our postnatal teacher training, um, which we just did a couple weeks ago and was absolutely delightful. That's once a year online. So that's all the ongoings here at PYC. And again, thanks for being part of our community. Okay, we're going to take another break. And when we come back, please enjoy, feel inspired by my conversation with Steph. A revolutionary baby monitor is born. I want to introduce you to a brand new baby monitor, Massimo Stork. Massimo Stork Baby Monitor tracks health indicators so you can get to know your baby better. Track your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and skin temperature with the high-resolution video and clear two-way audio from the Stork app. While Massimo Stork Baby Monitor is new, Massimo Signal Extraction Technology, or SET to be exact, has been trusted in hospitals for over 25 years. In fact, 9 out of 10 top U.S. hospitals, as ranked in the 2022-2023 U.S. News & World Report, uses Massimo SET as their primary pulse oximetry technology. Now, this technology is available for families at home, empowering confident parenting. Go to Massimo Stork to learn more. Please remember, Massimo Stork is not meant to be used as a medical device. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Deb. Thanks for having me on today. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to chat with you. When we got your email, because you know I love hearing birth stories, and you just described a little bit of your birth. First of all, I was I couldn't wait to tell that to the students in class because it was inspiring. But then I thought, I need to get Steph on here to share because you're amazing and I want to hear everything. So I guess before we get to your birth story, I'd love to learn a little bit more about you. Sure. Um, so I grew up in New Jersey and Massachusetts and I'm a relatively recent transplant to New York City. Um, I've worked in education for my whole career. Um, it started in daycares and camps, like in high school and college. And then uh, I worked in admissions and now I am a college counselor here in Manhattan on the Upper West Side. Um, my husband and I moved here in 2021, just before getting married. Um, and we're both actually college counselors. So we work with high school students a lot and we're constantly joking that we'll get much better at this whole parenting thing when they're <laughs> seniors in high school, not now as a newborn, but uh, that's a little bit about me. But I think that's so great. I mean, if you worked in daycares and camps, you're going to really understand how kids are and you already have a sense of, you know, some of the challenges, how they can be whiny at times, but not at the same time, amazing and cuddly and loving. I didn't know you were so new to New York. Oh, well, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate yoga studio is one of the first places I found in the city, actually. So it was really? kind of, yeah, it was really, really great. It worked out beautifully. What, what part of um, New Jersey were you from in, in Massachusetts? Those are my two places too. Uh, so Hoboken, so not okay. far. Um, and then um, I lived in Boston um, in college and after college um, and Brookline and uh, before that in Franklin, Massachusetts, a little bit south of the city. Oh, yay. No, I'm a Boston girl too. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know yeah, I went to Boston Conservatory and I um and I grew up in Andover. So and then, you know, it was, it was my, really fun. My younger yeah. sister is actually heading off to Andover for school uh, in the fall. So funny oh, small world connections done. And now. All right, so let's dive into before we get into your birth story, let's talk a little bit about how did you go about preparing for a birth? And I know that you had a doula. And yeah. also how did you pick your birth team, your doula, your provider, especially since you were new to the area? Yeah, yeah. So I I have a bit of a type A personality. <laughs> um, so I'm like really that person who does a ton of research on anything and everything before making a decision. And um, birth was definitely the same. Um, my husband and I, when we started deciding that we were going to start trying to get pregnant, um, I basically started reading every book and listening to every podcast, which is how I found YBB. Um, and those pieces, um, I think started to help me understand the importance of my birth team and really thinking through uh, who I wanted in the room and in the space with me. Um, 
My husband really wanted us to have a hospital birth, and I kind of flirted with the idea of a birth center mm. um, and even with a home birth at one point. Uh, but it's our first baby, and I'm a little bit of a nervous Nelly, and so we decided to go with a hospital birth. Um, and that kind of led us to picking our OB. Um, so we knew we wanted a hospital birth, and then from there I, I looked for OBs who I knew would be most willing to um, – work with me in having an unmedicated sort of intervention-free or as little intervention as possible Mm -hmm. um, pregnancy and birth, which I know is a rarity and is sort of hard to find. Um, And so I actually, I picked ROB because she'd specifically mentioned um, working with uh, people who had wanted to have VBACs. And Mm -hmm. so I thought, well, if she really likes working with folks who want to have VBACs, then maybe she's trying to avoid cesarean and like maybe she'll be supportive of my plans for a vaginal birth. And so that was kind of how we started with our OB. And then um, probably around 12 or so weeks, we found um, our doula, Stephanie Chavinato, who's um, based in Brooklyn, but works with folks in Manhattan. And she's been a doula for like 15 years. And she was our first doula that we interviewed and, of course, was the one that we felt most comfortable with after interviewing three or four people. And um, we just, we really loved working with her. She gave us virtual birth classes before the birth and um, she was with us from like the moment we needed her all the way through until we went to our postpartum room. And um, and actually, I'm sure we'll talk about this at some point, but in postpartum, she's been really, really supportive um, mm. in ways that I didn't even anticipate needing a doula. And and I'm so thankful to have had her. Oh, that's so wonderful. Because yeah, the team, as you know, really makes a difference. But let's also talk about kind of prenatal, prenatal education. So yeah. how do you think having prenatal education helped you during your birth? Yeah, I think it helped in a lot of different ways. Um, It helped me in understanding what was possible um, and also sort of what to expect. I Mm. felt like throughout the process, like, you know, even in pregnancy, going into the glucose test, for example, like I knew it was possible that I would fail the first one, the one hour test, but then still pass the 30 hour test. And, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what happened to me. And I remember coming home and being like, but it's okay. Cause like everything that I've read and listened to has told me that this is common and this happens. And, um, and actually before, uh, before our pregnancy with Oscar, um, my, my baby, we, um, we got pregnant and, um, I had a miscarriage. Um, and thanks. Yeah. Um, it was, it was really hard in the moment. Um, but I will say prenatal education actually was even helpful then. And that wasn't necessarily something like, I remember when I was picking up books or like listening to podcasts, I would skip those chapters because I was like, oh, well, that's not a part of my story right now. I'm just prepping for birth. Um, and it was really helpful to go be able to go back to those um, mm. when I did have those those moments um, in, in that experience. So um, I think prenatal education was helpful throughout every aspect of pregnancy, of loss, um, and then certainly in birth feeling like I could be an advocate for myself, even within a hospital setting. I could feel like I had the language to speak up and to um, not feel like a visitor in the hospital space, but rather like the hospital was working for me. I mean, that's like, (laughs) if I was to market childbirth education, I think that is it. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, it's confidence and knowledge can help when you're making these choices. So like you said, not a visitor or like, it's not happening to you. It's happening along with you. You're not just an observer. So yeah. thank you for sharing that. All right. So let's dive into your birth story. I want to hear everything. Go. <laughs> um, oh, where to start? So um, I guess I'll start a little bit before the actual birth, just in saying that, um, like all in all, I had a pretty smooth pregnancy. And like I mentioned, my OB, I'd specifically picked her, um, knowing that we'd had several conversations early on in pregnancy about wanting to do an unmedicated birth and kind of limiting interventions, um, as much as possible. And so as we approached the third trimester, I remember saying to her, 
are you going to push me for an induction? Because we haven't talked about that. And, and I, I was a little bit nervous um, that that might all of a sudden come out of left field. Um, but it was the exact opposite. She immediately was like, nope, you're young, you're healthy, you're fine. There's no need for us. You've had a, a really smooth pregnancy. There's no need for us to worry about talking about induction until 42 weeks. And I remember when she said 42 weeks feeling this like relief um, that I had chosen the right OB, that this was going to work out. Um, and I had kind of this feeling all along that my baby would be late. I was a really long labor. My husband was a few days late um, in, in due dates, as I've learned through prenatal ed, aren't really accurate anyway and are sort of just a guest date. And so um I, my due date came, February 28th came and went and no baby. Um, and I knew from, actually from you, Deb, that uh, cervical checks were not a predictive factor in knowing whether or not baby was coming. So thanks to you for that, for that one. I just laugh because that's one of my rants. <laughs> I know in class, I'm like, pull it in, pull it in. But it, but it really did make a difference, right? It stuck in the back of my mind. I was like, okay, this doesn't matter. So we don't need to do it. Um, I ended up asking her to do a cervical check when my due date came because at that point, I was just so desperate to know anything that might be okay. happening. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I was like 50% effaced and a centimeter dilated or something like that. But it nothing really. Um, and so then 41 weeks came and still no baby. And I was like, okay, I'm really done being pregnant. Um, at this point, I, I just, I gained a ton of weight and I just it felt uncomfortable at the end. And so, um, I asked, uh, my OB, I said, all right, should we at least start to think about an induction? Cause I don't want to be pregnant forever. Um, this is feeling really miserable. And so we scheduled an induction for 41 weeks and three days. I was like, I'll give myself a couple more days and then that's kind of it. Um, and so induction date came and my husband and I got to the hospital a little before our scheduled time. We were scheduled at like 5 p.m. or something. And my OB was actually going off shift just before my induction. Um, so we went to the hospital a little bit early um, just to go and see her before she went off shift. Um, and when she came into the waiting room to hug me, I said to her, I'm having some really bad cramps and I've been feeling really uncomfortable kind of all day. Um, and almost immediately after she hugged me and said like, okay, well, good luck with the induction and, and went off her shift. Um, my husband went to open up a container of French fries and I got up and threw up. And I was like, oh my God, I'm in labor. <laughs> it was like very much this sort of feeling of, oh, that's why I've been crampy all day. Or that's why I, like this was sort of early labor and I've been kind of ignoring it. Um, and I didn't even notice because I was so worked up about like going in for the induction. Mm -hmm. Um, so we were already at the hospital and that was really different than what I had planned in my mind. In my mind, we were going to labor at home for as long as possible. And, you know, I, I joked with our doula, I was like, we're going to get to the hospital just as that baby is crowning. Like I am not getting in the hospital early. So of course, none of that is what happened. I was already at the hospital and, you know, really in the very early stages of labor. Um, and they were going to admit me to triage, but they ended up just admitting me to a room because it had opened and I would scheduled anyway. Um, so that worked out nicely at least. Um, and our doula came to meet us almost immediately. Um, and, uh, things looked really different now because we weren't going for an induction, which was kind of the plan. And so it was, uh, an interesting moment of being like, okay, right. Birth plans sort of out the window, but not really. Cause I can still go, I can still try to do this unmedicated. I can still do all of the things that I wanted, but now I'm already here at the hospital. I'm just not going to get induced. Um, and so later that evening, that was probably like around three that we got to the hospital. So by like seven, a few hours later, um, I'd been having pretty steady contractions, but I noticed that they were all in my low back mm -hmm. um, and they were really, really painful. And so that made me a little bit antsy that baby might be in a uh, not ideal or not optimal position. Um, 
And it was interesting being in the hospital because nobody wanted, nobody talked about the baby's position other than the fact that he was head down. Mm. And I kept bringing it up and being like, but what position is the baby in? And like, no one, they were like, he's head down. And I was like, right, but but I feel like there's more there. And so um, if I could go back, I would tell myself, like, push a little bit more and figure out what's going on. Um, but um, things moved relatively quickly to dilate to five centimeters, um, probably within, like, the first five hours of me being at the hospital. Um and, um, you know, our doula was great. I, it, that was a great decision to have our doula come and join us because I think being in the hospital made me a little more anxious than being at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having someone who would say like, okay, let's move around or let's, you know, do hip circles on the birth ball, which I loved doing when I was pregnant. Um, or she like got us wireless monitors from the nurse so that I could take a shower. Um, oh, so the- great. Oh, the water made such a difference. It was like night and day being in the water. Um, and like she would, you know, encourage my husband to do counter pressure. And um, those things all really helped me get through for quite some time. Um, but then around 1 a.m., I was sort of at the end of my rope. Um, and I felt like I wasn't, phys- I was just physically so tired at that point. Um And I decided to get an epidural, which was not in my plan in any way, shape, or form. Um, And I started crying about the decision to get an epidural. Um, But ultimately, I was really glad that I did do that. I think just given where I was in my headspace, I needed the break in the breather and it served its purpose. It gave me the the opportunity to sort of relax while I continued dilating because the low back pain was really so intense mm-hmm. um, that it made it really difficult for me to use the coping mechanisms that I'd, you know, I'd been working on using those for a couple of hours, but it was hard to imagine continuing to use them for however long it might take for the baby to come. Um So I did the epidural and again, I was really glad still that I had my doula because even with the epidural, she like kept my body moving and my legs moving and kind of kept me in motion as much as possible while all, you know, while being hooked up to a million monitors. Um, And around 9am, I had another cervical check. Again, Deb in the back of my mind being like, these don't matter, but you know, in the moment, it still feels like, I hope I've made progress. Um, and I was only at six centimeters. Um, so I decided to, um, have my water broken. Um, and when that happened, there was meconium in the fluid. Um, so I got a little bit nervous that maybe, you know, things would get pressured to move quickly. And I got nervous that baby, baby wasn't okay. And, um, our doula was really great in reassuring me and, and, you know, saying that this was fine, you know, baby was 41 and a half weeks in there. So a little meconium was probably normal. And, um, that helped me feel like there was no need to rush. Um, but I started to get the sense that the hospital team was starting to rush. Like they had been very hands off all evening and just kind of letting me labor and, and then, When the next morning came around, the sort of tone shifted. Mm. Um, And by noon, the doctor on call and the nurse started talking to us about the idea of a C-section. And I had kind of like by 9 a.m. that morning, I kind of knew that was coming just based on how they kept um, checking in and sort of checking in on my contractions and saying that they were still steady, but not getting any more progressively faster. And, and so I I just felt like maybe that was the direction that things were going to move in. Can Uh, I ask you a quick question? Did they introduce Pitocin at any point? They did that morning um, at 9 a.m. So that's when I said the the, t- the tone changed. I should have said that too. Yeah. Um, so Pitocin came into play um, and we talked about it. Um, we So they like left the room. Um, my husband and my doula and I talked through and we were like, okay, it seems like that might make some sense to start to get contractions a little bit closer together. After the epidural, things just kind of slowed. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, we opted to start Pitocin um, also because at that point I'd had the epidural, so I wasn't really feeling much anyway. Um, and um, And even after the Pitocin was introduced, it still felt like things were sort of trying to get moved a little more quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so then around noontime, that's when the doctor on call mentioned the idea of a C-section. Um, and before we even got to the hospital, I should have said this at the beginning, uh, our doula had mentioned to us to be prepared that we would hear pretty frequently from the nurses, from the hospital staff, things like, oh, wow, that baby is like really cooked in there. Or, you know, you probably have a really big baby because you're at 41 and a half weeks. Um, and she was spot on. Like almost every single person made some comment about how long we were pregnant or um, how the baby was like still there or how big he must be. Um and so I wasn't necessarily surprised to hear those comments, but um, I think they started also to like slowly, at, you know, at a certain point, they start to sort of eat away at you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, but I, I knew I was in the back of my mind, I was like, I know that, you know, he's probably a big baby. I was a relatively big baby. My husband was a relatively big baby. Um, and I thought to myself, but that doesn't have to be the reason that we have a C-section. Um, and so when the doctor mentioned- Before we get into this, I want to oh, take yeah. a quick break because I know where this is going. <laughs> okay. And this is what made my jaw drop when you wrote this to me. So we got to take a super quick break because this is my favorite part of your story. Okay, we'll be right back. Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, we're back. I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but I need to get that commercial break in and I know where this is going and I have like this smile on my face because I was so proud of you advocating for yourself. Okay, I'll stop talking now. All yours. All good. Thanks, Deb. Um, Right. So we were at around, I was about six centimeters um, dilated. It's like, you know, noon the following day after my labor had started and we're in the hospital and um, the doctor on call mentioned the C-section. Then again, I asked what position the baby was in and that time finally somebody responded um, and said that he was ROP um, and that that was probably not helping. And I was like, right, that's why I've been asking you Was that frustrating? That must have been so frustrating to you. You're like, you knew about baby position. You were having back pain and things were slightly slower. I bet that was super frustrating. It was so frustrating. It felt like, okay, so 12 hours ago, we could have adjusted this or addressed this and I could have adjusted. Um, but I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what was happening. I just knew, like you said, I had low back pain. I knew I, you know, I, I knew it could be a possibility of that positioning was 
part of it. But, um, so I was, I was incredibly frustrated. Um, and we sort of left the conversation with the doctor saying that she would be back in an hour to do another cervical check. And then at that point we would discuss next steps towards a C-section. And as soon as the doctor and the nurse left, I like started bawling, like full tears, crying to my husband, Tyler, and to my doula that, um, you know, I really just didn't want to have a C-section. I had been in labor for so long at that point, And I just, I kept repeating over and over, I did everything. Like the ba- I just, I know I can get the baby in the right position. I gave him so much time. Like I, I just sort of kept repeating these same phrases over and over and just kind of like repeating to myself. Um, I said to my doula, but I know people can have big babies. And I kept saying, I know I can have a big baby. I know people can have big babies. And finally, like after a few minutes of letting me cry it out, um, my doula was like, okay, so do we want to prevent a C-section? And and she started to help um, get me into a ton of different positions, even with all of the wires for like the catheter and the IV and the epidural. I was inverted on the bed and like holding myself up on my arms and moving into peanut ball lunges and stretches. And it was, we looked crazy because <laughs> I knew I only had an hour. Um, but I was so determined to like do everything within my power um, to sort of beat the clock, this like clock that shouldn't have even existed in my mind. Um, and uh, around, you know, in, in it, around the hour mark, maybe she gave us like an hour and a half, uh, the, the doctor came back in and said, okay, you're 10 centimeters dilated. We can start getting ready to push. And I remember being like in complete shock. Um, and the doctor looked like she was in complete shock. Like, like she was probably strolling in ready to be like, okay, we're going to call a C-section <laughs> and just totally. like, like the yeah. obligatory, I, I have to check your cervix just because, but wow, like it's that's how I'm envisioning it. That was it. exactly it. It was like you could see on her face the expression of surprise, like, <laughs> oh, oh, you're fully dilated. I was like, yeah, okay, great. <laughs> and I was not expecting that at all, um, you know, because they'd sort of been pushing us down this path. And so it felt inevitable. And I was so like overwhelmed with joy. Um, I I didn't even know. I I don't think I had words and I still probably don't have the words to express what it felt like, um, to have her say that. Um, and, um, and then I will give, uh, the doctor credit in that she said, um, the OB on call said, you know, I know you really wanted to have an unmedicated birth. If you shut the epidural off, you'll push faster. And it was a thought that had never crossed my mind um, because it just wasn't something um, that I'd heard of in other birth stories or even in in like reading in prenatal ed or in my prenatal ed classes. Like it just wasn't something that I'd, I'd known was an option. Um, and actually the nurse and even my doula were a little bit hesitant about encouraging me to shut it off. They were both sort of like, are you, are you sure? Like, do you, you know, the pain is going to come back and it's going to come back more intensely than before. And, and not that they were discouraging me. You know, I think our doula was certainly not discouraging me. I think she just wanted me to have a really informed decision. Um, cause sort of once it's off, it's a little hard to get things back in place and, and on, um, and you're in the pain again. Um, but I ultimately decided to turn it off. Um, and it wasn't until a little bit into pushing that I decided to shut the epidural off, actually. It was that um, the nurse had started sort of coaching me and telling me when a contraction was coming, and I hated that feeling. Mm-hmm. I, like, hated feeling that I didn't know when my body was having a contraction and I didn't know what was happening with my baby. Um, and so I, I ultimately decided to turn it off, and it was – the best decision that I could have made for me personally. And I realize that that's not a decision that everybody will make in the same way. Um, but I started to feel the contractions come back more steadily. Um, and they still weren't uncontrollably 
painful. I think also they'd started to move out of my low back. And so that helped. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just really, I really appreciated knowing what was going on and not having to be told when I was having a contraction. Um, it was something about the like needing to be told when my body was doing what it needed to do that was really like it it wasn't working for me um in pushing um and sort of similarly at, at first when i started pushing i think kind of standard hospital procedure the nurse started counting to 10 with each push um and my doula looked over at me and said do you want her to stop and i was like yes i do i want her to stop <laughs> counting <laughs> and she was like you could just tell her to stop <laughs> And it was like this nice little secret that we shared of like, okay, great. I'm going to get her to stop then. Um, And even that, as soon as she stopped counting, I was like, oh, I can push now. Like this is how pushing works. Um, It was, you know, I just, I think that was not, um, those were not the things that I had envisioned. And so having them happen, I, I, I felt like I wasn't in control of pushing my baby out and, um, I was really happy to kind of get some of those pieces back into my own control. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and the one thing I wish that I'd advocated for myself a little bit more was um, the nurse, again, was pretty insistent on me pushing either on my back or side lying. Um, and I really wanted to push on my hands and knees. Mm. Um, and and I just like kept saying, oh, I think maybe, and like I kind of kept whispering it under my breath, like, oh, I think I should just move to my hands and knees. Uh, but I didn't do it. And I wish I had, I, you know, it's just sort of one of those things that I think is going to be in the back of my mind. Um, but after about an hour and a half of back and side lying pushing, we did a little bit of both. Um, baby was born, which was wild. It happened so fast. It felt like I had been pushing for so long. And then once his head was crowning, I was like, oh my God, now everything's moving so fast. (laughs) Um, and it was amazing. Um, my husband, um, he like went to see when his head was crowning and and he, he was like, oh shit, that's the baby. (laughs) And as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, we're really in this then. Like, (laughs) you wouldn't lie to me, right? Like maybe the nurse, maybe my doula, they wouldn't lie, but they might be like gently encouraging me. Like, yeah, baby's really coming. But I was like, my husband for sure knows that's our baby's head. So (laughs) this is definitely happening. Um, and, um, and he was a big baby. He was nine pounds exactly um, and 23 inches long, which I was 23 inches long at birth, um, even though I'm only 5'2". As you know, I'm really short, um, but big baby inside. Um, and it was almost a full, uh, it was over 24 hours total of labor, but almost a full little over 24 hours of being at the hospital because he was born at 523 um, uh, the following day after we'd gotten to the hospital at like 3 p.m. the day before. So it was a really long labor, um, but it was it was incredible. It was really amazing. Oh, there are so many gems that you shared that I'm so excited for people to hear. You advocated for yourself. And I love that your doula kind of offered you these pieces to again take control could be not the right word, but um ownership of yeah. your birth. Oh my gosh, that is so amazing stuff. And again, I I you and I are both, you know, witchy people. And I know what it's like when someone's like, that's a big baby. Like, but it was, and you did it. Your body opened for it. And as someone who's to 10 births, 24 hours is pretty like what I would track for a first-time parent. Like if I was getting a call, I'd be like, Yeah, I'll be gone for like a day, day and a half. So you're yeah. gonna right in there. Oh my gosh. So let's unpack some of that. So okay. When oh, I hear, I hear Oscar. Yeah, oh, yeah, yep, Oscar's waking up. Sorry about that. There That's he okay. He'll make his way in. So, <laughs> where was your mind when I know you said like, I love that you whispered, people can have big babies. Did you push? I know you internally said and you said out loud. Did you push back to the doctors, or is it more just something that 
inspired you to keep moving forward? I didn't push back to the doctor. I think had they come, had she come back and done that cervical check and had I not been fully dilated, that would have been maybe a place where I would have said, I need time to talk through it or I need more time to think. Cause we had kind of planned for that before the doctor had walked in. Um, uh, my doula and my husband and I had kind of like put our three heads together and said, okay, if she says we're not fully dilated, we're going to ask for time. Um, and then we're going to reconnect and put our heads together and figure out what we want to do from there. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, so it really wasn't in pushing back to the OB. It was really more in, um, giving me the encouragement that I needed and sort of giving me that feeling of like, okay, I can do this. People can Mm -hmm. do this. People have done this. I can do this too. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I said to my husband a lot, my my mother-in-law is also very, very petite and had two unmedicated births for both of her very large sons. And so I kept saying to him, if your mom can do it, I can do it. And not in like a competitive way, but like, you know, you know, I, I know that I do, you know? Yeah, exactly. And so it was, I think those things kind of kept me motivated um, to feeling like I was able like, like my, my body was able to do so. And it was, which is amazing. And, you know, I love that you planned on asking for more time because we know that if you're okay and babe's okay, asking for more time is totally acceptable. So I love that you were planning on doing that. Now, you'd also mentioned to me that you felt some pressure from friends and family who didn't understand your desire for unmedicated birth or, or breastfeeding. Can you talk yeah. more about that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think it's pretty common, uh, that in the last couple weeks of pregnancy, folks do a lot of checking in with birthing people. Um, and those check-ins can sometimes be very thoughtful, but a lot of them were also really overwhelming. Um, because for me it was, well, you're past your due date. And so everybody kept sort of wondering, well, why wasn't I just getting an induction? Or why wasn't I just sort of moving the baby along? Um, And nobody else seemed to really understand why I felt this deep (laughs) desire for unmitigated birth. Um, My mom had a C-section with me and my brother. My stepmom had a C-section. Most of my aunts have had C-sections. So like most of the women in my family, that is very much the norm. And I think for just a lot of them, they didn't really understand why I felt like this really strong desire, not only for a vaginal birth, but for an unmedicated birth. Um, And I guess for me, it just, it felt like something that I should be able to do. And so if I can do it, then I want to do it. (laughs) Um, And that's uh, maybe a simplistic way of putting it, but um, it was definitely uh, something that from the get-go I knew that I wanted. Um, And the same with with breastfeeding. Um, Almost everyone I know has formula fed their babies, um, friends and family. And so it was really difficult in those first couple of weeks postpartum um, to have folks checking in and saying things like, oh, how's the baby doing? Like, is he getting enough to eat? Or like, how's the breastfeeding going? Don't forget, you can always use formula to supplement. Like, and I know people meant it in, in a way to not sort of make me feel guilty if I had to or chose to combo feed or formula feed. Um, But oftentimes it felt unsupportive. It felt like, um, yeah, it felt like maybe I wouldn't be able to do it. Um, And we, I had a really difficult time um, with breastfeeding almost immediately after Oscar was born. Um, Another one of our our doula secrets, (laughs) she, she whispered to me and my husband, she said, hey, I'm just going to say it now because everybody else in the hospital is going to tell you, 
He has a tongue tie. It's a very obvious tongue tie. You can choose to snip it. We can talk all about this. I don't need you to worry about it. But everybody in this hospital is going to tell you that he has a tongue tie. And so I want you to know what that means now. Because um, it wasn't something that I had done. That was definitely not something I had done any research on or knew anything about. Um, and so it was great to have her give us the heads up, kind of like she had with the baby uh, before uh, before delivery, um, when we were going to the hospital and she'd said like, everybody's going to tell you he's huge. Everybody's going to tell you that you're like really pregnant. Um, those like sort of insider heads ups were really helpful. Um, and we had a tough time with, uh, lactation at the beginning. And then, um, we worked with Andrea Sim or Andrea Sims Brown. At she the is the best. I still have to say she is the best. I've known her for a very long time, so well, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I have to just no. say how great she is. <laughs> we found her a well. First, our doula was like, "I have somebody for you," and it was her. And B, then I remembered. Um, I had listened to her podcast that you had done with her. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, great. I listened to that one. And I, I like, I know her voice and I remember what she said and all of that resonated. So I'm sure she'll be a great fit. And she was, uh, we're in a much better place. And, um, you know, I would say before I came on to record, I was breastfeeding the baby and things were great. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, he's like latching really well. And, um, but none of that was the case in those first few days. It was all much harder than I had anticipated. And it was hard to not have friends or family members who I could turn to. Mm. Um, and so it was really, I was really grateful to have Andrea join like my little team of support um, in, in feeling like I had somebody that I could ask questions to. And um, it made a huge difference. Yeah. Postpartum support is just as important as prenatal and birth support. In fact, it's, I think it can be more important in some ways because it's longer, you know, like birth support is going to be, you know, day two, you know, a couple days and then, you know, obviously up to that, but postpartum is weeks and weeks and weeks and yeah. weeks and weeks. And it's a huge transition. So you talked a little bit about the breastfeeding challenges after you've crossed that hurdle, how have things been? They have been great. Um, it's been a lot more enjoyable. <laughs> um, I actually uh, started tearing up some happy tears the other afternoon. I was, um, Oscar and I were sitting on the couch and I like looked over to my husband and I was like, I can't believe how like great this is now and how easy this is now and oh. how sort of normal it feels. Um, cause I was thinking back to some of those really, really hard moments at the beginning where, you know, baby was crying and, and then I was stressing and those were terrible feelings. Um, yeah. and now to feel like we're in such a good place and, um, you know, he is definitely still a big baby. He's 15 pounds and <laughs> keeping on growing. Um, and um, and to know that like we're able to do that now feels so much easier. Um, yeah, and I think postpartum in general was a lot harder than I had anticipated. I think people say postpartum is hard, um, but they don't necessarily share why it's hard or what it is that makes it hard. Um, and so I didn't know exactly what to anticipate. I, I thought breastfeeding could be a challenge, but I didn't really realize like what that would look like or feel like or, or how that would come about. Um, I had a, a tear that needed to be repaired and I didn't know that that was a thing that could happen that like stitches might not hold or might not heal well. Um, and so that was another sort of challenge in postpartum that I wasn't anticipating. Um, and I think because I had you know, worked in daycare and worked like with, I like I've worked with kids my whole life. Um, I thought I'll be a pro. This will be easy. This will be like, you know, by the, the third day I'll be walking Central Park and holding a coffee in my hand. And that was not at all the case. Um, and I do think a lot of that is sort of the images that we see in the media and even on social media um, and sort of trying to paint a more realistic picture of postpartum, um, which I know there are folks out there trying to do that work. But um, I think the more that that can be the norm, um, mm -hmm. the better in preparing folks. Oh, thank you for sharing that. It is a challenge. I mean, it's like a bell-shaped curve of the challenges, but 
I have yet to meet the person that's like, everything was a breeze. That's There's such <laughs> hormonal changes. There's expectations and there's so much postpartum. As you were talking, I'm like, I need to do a podcast just on the struggles of postpartum. Um, but <laughs> thank you for highlighting that. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, what is one final tip or piece of advice you would like to share with new or expectant parents? We'll be right back. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. So now that you... Should I say seasoned? <laughs> a little bit more seasoned parent. Now that you're on the other side of some of the bigger challenges and transitions, what would you like to share with listeners? Yeah, I'd say um, the biggest piece of advice I would have would probably be to to really be thoughtful about your birth team. Um, so many people like second guessed me or were shocked that my OB was letting me go to 41 and a half weeks because um, they had either been pushed to an induction or pushed to a C-section. And, um, you know, I felt really confident in my OB and I felt really confident in the relationship that we had built. Um, and if it hadn't been for our doula, like I am completely convinced that I would have ended up with a C-section after 20 hours of labor because of my baby's position. Um, and so having her there and like in our space with us and really feeling like it didn't even feel like she was a member of my team. It felt like she was a member of my family. Like mm. she was just as much in it with us. Um, and that just gave me even more confidence. Um, and, you know, and even in postpartum, I will say like, having um, a lactation consultant that we felt like we could turn to with any and all questions um, really just made the world of a difference in, in feeling like my husband and I weren't alone <laughs> in trying to figure everything out. So I think the birth team um, really, really helped me to feel like at each step of the process, like in pregnancy and then in delivery and in labor um, and then in postpartum, like those three in particular really just helped me feel like I wasn't doing this all by myself. Mm. Um, and that made such a difference for me to feel like I had other folks that I could lean on. Um, and that sort of gave me the empowerment that I needed to say like, okay, because I also have these people there by my side or, you know, kind of with me on this team, I can do this. Um, and so I, I think that's the biggest piece of advice that I would share is just being really, really thoughtful and intentional in the, the people that you have in your space and on your journey. Oh, I love that. And I hundred percent agree. Steph, I have so enjoyed not just talking to you, but watching you go through your journey. I loved having you in class. You always were just a great grounding and happy energy, even when you were comfortable. You're like, yep, still here. And you still were smiling. So I just appreciate having had the opportunity to walk beside you on this journey. So Thank you for that. And thank you for sharing your story. Thank you, Deb. It really made such a difference to have a community throughout pregnancy. And um, that was really thanks to Prenatal Yoga Center. So it's a, a great group. Thank you. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.